This morning we got into the signs of the coming of the Lord. I mean, there's quite a few. Uh, I think in the book there's 79 or 80. And you look at what we looked at today was maybe 15 or 20 because there's so many. But aren't we blessed to see them come to pass? You don't have to wait for them to come to pass. They already have. I was on a flight one time to uh, Sweden. And this flight attendant was just distraught. And I said, what's the deal? I was uh, trying to see how she was. She goes, I just don't know what's going on. This was years ago. And I said, well, I know what's going on. Israel's made a nation. Jerusalem was won back. The Hebrew language was restored. Ethiopian Jews were brought back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. She goes, well, what are you talking about? I said, the coming of the Lord. Jesus is about to come back. She went and got another flight attendant. And I told that flight attendant, went and got another flight attendant. Got, and went and got another flight attendant. We had eight flight attendants. We're having a church service on an airplane. <laughs> you have the answers. You are the only Jesus most people will ever see. So isn't it wonderful? God set your life up to be a voice right now. I mean, you think of John the Baptist from Malachi to Matthew, 400 years, no one speaking for God. Wow, quiet, silence. John comes on the scene screaming, and uh, they said, are you a prophet? He said, no. They said, are you the prophet? He said, no. He said, I'm a voice, voice of one crying in the wilderness. And uh, isn't that amazing? He said that, and Jesus said, John was a burning and a shining light. Yet the least in the kingdom of God's got more anointing than John the Baptist. So tonight you have more grace on you than John had. And he woke up a dead nation, yet he did no miracle. I'm saying that because in the Old Testament, God would raise up prophets to pull Israel back to what they were called to do. In the New Testament, he raises up the believer. Amen. Amen. You're to be a voice. It doesn't mean you have to wear camel hair and locust, locust burgers and all that, or like John wore. But, uh, but just you can be ordering a cheeseburger and say, I'd like a cheeseburger, Diet Coke, and some fries. And oh, by the way, the Lord's coming back. Because, I mean, even sinners know something's up. They know something's up. I was on a Zoom call with these sinners a few years ago, these businessmen, and we were going down the list. Every single one of them got saved. Because you can't deny what's happened. That's how blessed we are to go, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. What the Bible said you'd see years ago, and it's playing out right in front of our eyes. So blessed are we, blessed are we. So tonight I want to go even further. I want to go to get into a little bit about the second coming. We won't go a long time, but then we'll get right into the millennial reign of Christ. And you don't hear a lot of teaching on that, so I'm going to go into that for a little while. I won't spend too much time on it, but we'll uh, go through quite a few verses to show us what we have to look forward to. God wants you happy about your future. You know, it's sad that there was so much confusion about the coming of the Lord. There was fear connected to it. And then there was really nothing cool about the future. Most young people thought we're going to go to heaven and, and play harps. You know, I mean, just boring. If that's true, we'd be in harp class tonight. I mean, you know, seriously. So we're, we're making preparation for eternity right now. And it's amazing that, that we're, we're there. I mean, we talked about this one. Uh, Pastor Tony did a little bit about those years involved. How, however you do the math, there's like five or six ways you can do it. We're right there. We're at the very end. So we're blessed. And, you know, and people get really, 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 really nervous when you get bold about that. But that's all right. Amen. It's okay. Uh, the closer you get to the coming of the Lord, the more of an unction you have on the inside of you. Even without signs, you have a witness that something's coming. How many of you sense it in your heart? Jesus is about to come back. When I got in this in 1970, every single service back then, there'd be a tongues interpretation, you know. And, and every time the Holy Spirit, would, there would be an urgency that Jesus is about to come. Not one time did I hear the Holy Ghost say, take all the time in the world. you got plenty of time. No. It was always uh, get, put your hands to the plow and go for it. Praise God. So we, we have things to look forward to. We have a lot of work to do in a short period of time. But there's joy connected to it because you're doing something eternal. And that's where that reward seat of Christ comes in. You know, he's going to judge our life, but uh, that, re name, that word judgment seat is the word Bema. B-E-M-A means reward seat. 
Notice how Lucifer changed that to where people are afraid to go to the judgment seat. But the Lord wants to reward you. You think about that. All that's going to be judged then is the motive of your heart. Did you do things to be seen of men or did you do things because you love the Lord? So you're either going to have wood, hay, and stubble or gold, silver, and precious stones. <laughs> and you don't, have, you don't want to have a bonfire there at the judgment seat. God, woof, what was that? No, you want people, well, I've never seen fire like that in all my life. A lot of wood, hay, and stubble. No, we want gold, silver, and precious stones. So that's something to look forward to is that he wants to clothe you. Now think about this with glory and with honor. Your clothing will be representation of your life right on the earth. You'll have, you'll have badges right here that showed you went to church on Sunday night. Yeah. I mean, there'll be things over here showing your soul winner. I mean, your, your uniform will preach for you. You won't have to tell anybody you were faithful. They'll go, wow. Just like a general in the military, he doesn't have to tell you he's faithful. Those stars, they preach for him. And you look at those badges over here, they're called fruit. They preach for him. They, in other words, they did what they needed to do in their time slot. I like what the Bible talks about. You know, you, you, you're going to get rewarded for that. And I think of John Wesley. He said, give me ten men that hate sin and love God, and I will change the world. <laughs> he said, let God set you on fire. People will come watch you burn. You don't have to advertise the fire. Hallelujah. Well, grab your Bibles, and uh, we'll see where we ought to go. And I had a couple words of knowledge come to me while I was standing there. And I, usually I have it during the service or at the end. But someone's here. You've got headaches, and it's not because of something happening in your head. It's actually from your jaw. You, you do some kind of uh, clenching at night, and it's giving you headaches. You won't have it anymore. Remember tonight at 635, you got it. You're healed. And this other one is kind of weird, which I don't, I, I, I have weird words of knowledge. If I told you words of knowledge, I, Scott Webb's church, I saw a woman fly fishing, catch the hook in her eye. I saw a man get run over by a car. He was sit right, laying right there, sitting right in front of me. He was laying on the ground. This thing broke, car ran right out over him. I saw a woman fall downstairs. Amazing, he wants to heal damage, not just disease. He's so, he's so merciful. Hallelujah. Amen. So merciful. Uh, so this other one, what was the other one? I had it and it left me. It'll come right back. Isn't that something how that works? But uh, uh, I was thinking about something else because I was thinking, did I cover this or cover that? You, know, you want to make sure everything's just right. But it'll come back to me. It'll come right up out of my spirit. Praise the Lord. Oh, appendix. You know, people think, you know, you don't want to wait till your appendix bursts. I don't think I've ever had a word for appendix. Uh, but your appendix, uh, your appendix is being healed. I don't even know what's wrong. But for instance, I was in Works, Virginia a few months ago. Had a word of knowledge. Someone's bladder's being healed. I thought, you know, some you know, infection or whatever. No, there's a man that got shot by a shotgun. A guy tried to kill him. He's going in for surgery. Didn't have to have his surgery. The Lord repaired his, his bladder. Same service. I said, there's someone here. You have damage in your arm from your elbow to your hand. I said, most people would think that's carpal tunnel. I said, it's not. I said, it's arthritis. And uh, I said, you're healed. This, this is how crazy this is. The guitar player came down right after service. He goes, that's what the doctor said. He goes, he goes you think it's carpal tunnel, but it's not. It's, uh, it's arthritis. And the guy, this is what he said. He's playing the guitar for the church. And he goes, I didn't really believe in all that healing stuff. <laughs> and the Lord reaches out and heals his arm. Don't you love that? Uh, I was in South Carolina. I may have told you this one. This one's so cool. I said, there's someone here. You're in a car wreck and you got all beat up. And... I said, there's someone here, you got your inside of your nose severed. I don't even know what that meant, but I said, something in here got severed. Called it out. After the service, this guy's probably six foot ten, come down, walking down. He goes, hey, can I say something? I was like, oh, Lord, I guess, because I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know him, so I don't know what he's going to say. But he, goes, he goes, hey, I don't know you. And I said, okay. He said, but you know what? I was in a car wreck, and it said my neck and my back got healed when you called that out. And my wife just had brain surgery, and they went up through her nose to get to the base of her brain. And when they did, they severed something on the inside of her nose. She texted him, wasn't even in the service, and said, when I called that out, her nose got healed on the inside. 
Wasn't even in the service and got healed. Hallelujah. Amen. God's so good. He's so good. His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's pray and we'll get right into what we'll get into tonight. And uh, it'll strengthen us and bless us and encourage us. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your mercy, your kindness. We thank you for your name. Thank you for the authority that you've given us in the wonderful name of Jesus. You said where two or three are gathered in your name, you're there. So we thank you for being present here, Jesus. Present in our midst to unveil truths about yourself, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would show us uh, facets of the King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we, we'd see you, Lord, high and lifted up with your train filling the temple. So help us, Father, make, make way for the entrance of the King. Help us do what we're all called to do so that your entrance can be glorified and magnified even greater. And we, we thank you for that, Lord. We're so grateful that you gave your life for us. So we're in awe of that, so we magnify you. We glorify you. And lift you up. We thank you for what you give in Faith Family Church, Lord. The mission, the, the, the assignments, Lord. I thank you for tonight, a reassessing of assignments for all of us. We thank you for that, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor. And we give you praise. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. amen. You know, we're getting ready to go to the coronation of a king in private. We get to go to the private ceremony. Then we'll come back with Jesus at the second coming. And we'll see that public ceremony. But man, we get to go to the one up there in heaven. So how... How blessed are we to do that? So let's go look at some of the things that are coming. The next thing that's coming this morning, you know, we talked about all the signs. But the next thing coming for the earth is the second coming of the Lord. We talked about the rapture this morning, so we know that's coming. About seven years before the second coming, that'll happen. There could be a gap between the signing of the treatment with the Antichrist. There's an agreement or a treaty with the Antichrist Israel is going to sign. Some people talk about that gap before the tribulation starts. Actually, it starts when that signing is happening. But between the rapture and the signing of that, could be two months, four months, could be six months, could be a year. There's nothing in the Bible that says what it is. But, man, things are happening so fast now, it looks like it wouldn't take very long for things to fall into place. Because, man, like we said this morning, all the players are in position. But the second coming is the most documented deal, man. It's a big deal. If you ever wonder, well, what is the big deal of the second coming of the Lord? Zechariah probably has the best uh, depiction of it. It's just graphic how radical it's going to be when he physically comes back uh, on the Mount of Olives there and comes back to Basra and goes to Petra. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Like in Petra, where the Jews will go for safety, there's no water there. It's completely barren. I mean, it's the most barren area in the world. Guess what? About five years ago, this water comes shooting out of a rock and makes a brand new river right there in Petra. So God's already gone ahead and made provision, got water for them. They're not even there yet. So it's just amazing. So we, we, we see all these things uh, being a setup for how close we are to the coming of the Lord. And, uh, you know, the depictions of it in the Bible, what Joel said, sound an alarm, wake everybody up. Malachi said he's coming back with healing in his wings. Isaiah gives you tons of pictures of it. If you read Zechariah 13, 14, they're, they're so detailed about what it'll look like. And look at how God thinks in, in, in Ezekiel. He's supernaturally detailed about his house in the millennium. There's more verses written about what the house is going to look like than almost anything in the Bible. I mean, to, you know, this, this, so many meters this way, so many cubits this way. So, I mean, he, he's very detailed about how he's going to dwell during that thousand years. So, so this coming back to the earth is a big deal. He, he's looking forward to it. I mean, think about it. He was mocked, spit upon, humiliated. But I'm telling you what, this will be such an event where the, 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 the heavens won't give any light, the stars won't shine. And all of a sudden, this light's going to come out of heaven, and we're going to be right there behind Jesus, blazing radiance coming out of his face. The Bible said there's no need for the sun. It didn't say there isn't a sun. There's just no need for it because of the glory that's in his face. <laughs> 
He's the brightness of the glory of God. Wow. So we're going to get to be right there with him. Hallelujah. Coming back to the earth. I think the Beatles had it. We've got a ticket to ride. You know, we, we, we've got this ticket. We're going to come back right there and see him face to face. Hallelujah. Let me show you how real this is. This is something I don't talk about very much. But one of the times I was in Israel, maybe 25 years ago, and I had taken a tour with me. And we met up with a couple of other tours there uh, where the Garden of Gethsemane was. And as I was sitting there in the Garden of Gethsemane, I was thinking, man, these olive trees, that's where the olive press. Gethsemane means olive press. Remember, Jesus had so much pressure on him, just like olives get squeezed and the olive oil comes out. And I'm thinking, wow, some of these olive trees are old. They might have been here when Jesus was here. Then all of a sudden, I had an open vision. Uh, uh, The lady that brought her tour over to us, she said, hey, Joe, I want you to do communion. I said, okay. And right then, I forgot where the communion verses were. I started panicking. I'm like, oh, my God, i got to do communion. I can't remember where they are. They're first, it's 1 Corinthians 11. That's easy now because I don't need this right now. But, I mean, I started going, I go, yeah, yeah. I started, well, okay, what's, what's the communion verses? What's the communion verses? So I was so freaked out, uh, I had discerning of spirits happening. It's where your eyes see into the spirit realm. I started traveling with this prophet years ago. And the week I started traveling, I started having discerning of spirits. I thought I was losing my mind. It's just one of the nine gifts of the spirit. It's revelation. Discern means to see into that realm. And so I looked up over the Temple Mount, angels everywhere, demons everywhere. And I knew it was the most active area of angels and demons on the whole planet. I'm thinking, man, this is crazy. I told my buddy Tom, he called me today on the way to church tonight. I said, I said, dude, I just had an open vision. I saw angels and demons all over the Temple Mount. He says, you better get back to earth. You've got to do communion. You know how your buddies keep you straight, you know? <laughs> and uh, I said, no, 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 I really saw that. Right then, Bill, it was Billy Brim who was having me do communion. She said, uh, there was an old prayer here named Phil Halverson. Uh, Phil and Fern Halverson were up in Minneapolis, kind of known for the way they pray. And she said he was standing here, had an open vision, and saw the Temple Mount, angels and demons everywhere. It says it's the most active area. And I told Tom, I said, see, I'm not crazy. Now, see, you know what that is? That's Jacob's ladder. See, we think of, we think of some old rickety ladder, and there's just a, a whole stairway of angels going back and forth right now. Jerusalem means plural. You've got an earthly and you've got a heavenly. That's how real this stuff is you got angels going back and forth from that spot right where Jesus is going to come back. Wow, man, oh man. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of his kingdom. He'll rule, hallelujah, for a thousand years. There'll be peace everywhere. Of his kingdom, there'll be no end. Glory to God. So amazing. We look at these pictures of the second coming, radical, dramatic. So let's go see what Jesus said about it. Go over to, grab your Bibles there and uh, run to Matthew. And let's look at this tonight. Let's look at the second coming for a minute, and let's look at the millennium for a little bit. And then I won't sing something off my greatest hits, I promise. We'll, we'll keep that under wraps, all right? Praise the Lord. Look at Matthew 24, and let's see how Jesus uh, describes the second coming. And we start in page 35. If you've got a Bible like mine, this is verse 27. I believe when we go to heaven, maybe we'll all get the same Bible. I don't know. Who knows? But it'll be, it'll be cool. Verse 27. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So it's going to be dramatic. I've never seen lightning that was casual. You know, I was in a house one time in, in North Carolina standing right by the window and lightning struck this tree about 15 feet from me. And I was inside the house and it freaked me out. I mean, it had so much force to it and so much power to it. I was like, wow, man, that, that woke me up. So here, that's what it's going to look like. So in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, 
And they'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. He'll send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they'll gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And now he's going to get into detail about what it's going to look like. He says here in verse 37, But as the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage. To the day that Noah entered into the ark, knew not until the flood came, took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Wow. So with all of these signs and all of the church age doing all this stuff to get everybody ready for this, people are still going to be eating and drinking and marrying all the way up to the second coming. In the midst of seven years of tribulation, they're like, we want life as normal. So they're trying so hard to have it as normal. But, my friend, it'll be, be a day of uh, corruption and violence. And you can see the setup for it right now. But look at the next verse here. He says in verse 40, Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken, and the other left. That's not the rapture of the church. That's at the second coming. The wicked are taken off the earth. So the natural righteous people can enter into the kingdom on the earth that still make it through the latter part of the trib. Now look at that. Look how wild it is. And he says in verse 41, Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. He gives you the exact percentage right there at the second coming, 50%. Just like when Jesus was on the cross, one thief got saved, the other thief did not. The, the, the ten virgins, 50% got oil in their lamp. So you have it right here. Now what's amazing about this is Germany has 2% saved right now. France has 1% of 1%. So they're going to get a 49% revival. I mean, I preach in France quite a bit, and as I stand there, I'll go to a restaurant or something, I'll look around, every single person I look at is not going to heaven. That's just unacceptable. But it just shows you how big the harvest is during the tribulation. The Bible says it's innumerable. It can number a 200 million man army, but it can't number how many people get saved. That's a lot of people. Why? you got the church disappearing. That's a pretty good sign. How do you argue with that? Piles of clothes everywhere. And then you've got sign after sign after sign after sign, just like Moses and Pharaoh. Why did God do that with Pharaoh? It was to change his hardened heart. So God's going to do all this outward stuff during the tribulation to get people saved. I like what Patsy said in Australia. She said, man, it's like hell on earth, but at least it's better than going to hell forever. If it takes pressure being put on people, I know we, we don't like this. You know what? My dad, you know, God doesn't punish people to get them saved. But my dad had to have a stroke before he'd turn in his life because he was so hard-headed. He'd curse God, mock God. He has a stroke. I walk into intensive care. Dad, time for you to get saved. Get saved right there. He didn't go, I think I'll hold out for more time because he thought he's about to die. And that's what the, the neuro, neurologist said. Uh, uh, he's probably dying tonight. Well, I went straight, straight into intensive care and said, Dad, you're getting saved right now. And he goes, I'm getting saved. I'm in. So, so some people, they have to have it that horrible <laughs> to turn. <laughs> so that seven years of horrible. So you see here, 50% of the population will have gotten saved, though. Wow, praise God. Thank God for that. So here, right after that, he gets in more detailed. Look over at chapter uh, 25, and he gives you a little detail, because this will help you understand what your future is going to be like. You'll have natural people that make it through the latter part of the trib, enter the kingdom, and you'll have oversight over them. They'll be in natural bodies. You'll be in glorified bodies. See, he's the king of kings. You're one of the kings that he's a king of. Amen. You're a lord of, he's a lord of lords. You're one of the lords. You'll have oversight just like a pastor. How cool. You'll have, you'll have uh, oversight in an area just like a pastor does. How cool is that? So let's go to it now. Look at chapter 25. Look at verse 31. 
And when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He shall sit upon the throne of His glory. And, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and that He'll separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And, the, and He'll set the sheep on His right hands and the goats on His left. And then shall the king say unto them that are on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So that's what we call the sheep and goat, goat judgment. That's where he basically says the ones that are born again are going to enter into the millennial reign. The ones that are not will be plucked off the earth. It's the opposite of the rapture of the church. The wicked are plucked off. So then he goes into detail showing what that is. Actually, he's going to judge them on how they treated his brethren Israel, because that's what he gets into. I was hungry and I, I needed clothing. And you took care of me. It's amazing how he's going to uh, judge people for not helping that land during that time. But see, that's seven years of old covenant times, not church age time. Right now, he's not judging people. Germany killed six million Jews and prospered because God's not mad at anybody right now. Well, it gets quiet when you say that. Wow. Because we hear all the time, judgment, 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 judgment. I hear people go, Katrina was judgment. Well, if it was, he did a bad job. People lived through that. When God goes to judgment, you can't find people. You, they're vaporized. <laughs> Nobody's left when God goes to judgment, okay? Now, some nations will reap what they sow. I mean, if nations will reap what they sow. Well, man, what they've sown, they'll reap. But it's not necessarily God judging them because he laid all that on Jesus. That's the amazing thing to be living under the dispensation of grace. We're so blessed. He's not mad at you. Man, that's the most wonderful thing we could ever say. It's pretty wild that he just loves you. So let's go a little further. Go to Revelation 19. You with me tonight? You're ready to roll through a lot of verses? I know it's a lot, but let's run through it. Look at Revelation 19 because we want to get to the millennial reign of Christ and get to what our, our future functions are going to be because we'll look at that. So fun. Revelation 19. I know you know the verses, but it's good to go through them. It's, it, we're going to get to our future here in just a moment. But here's another picture. A really, really cool depiction of the second coming. And you've heard this many times. Revelation 19, look at verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. Wow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And the name is called, his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are with him in heaven, that's us, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth will go a sharp sword that he'd smite the nations. And watch this, he'll rule them with a rod of iron. That starts giving you a picture of why you're going to have to rule with him because natural people that, that, that are in natural bodies have a tendency to do stupid stuff. So he's going to have to rule them with a rod of iron and has to have you as a set of overseers to help rule those natural people. Because natural people make stupid decisions sometimes. Even with the devil bound. <laughs> we'll get to that here in a minute. Well, that goes over real good. So he'll rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress and the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. I like to look at it this way. The boss is coming back right there. Glory to God. So that's pretty dramatic. Now go over to chapter 20. So right after that second coming right there where he, he lands on the Mount of Olives and Petra and uh, Valley of Megiddo. You remember uh, uh, Napoleon was there right there where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be. Didn't even know it. He said this is a, is a perfect site for a battle. Right there is where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be. Pretty amazing. So he says here in chapter 20, this is the beginning of that thousand year reign. Why do we get into this? Because I want to show you that you're not done at the rapture. We have a tendency to think we're, going to, we're just done. We're going to go eat locust burgers and take it easy in heaven. No, we're going to be functioning on the earth. We're going to be reigning with him. 
yet it'll be very fulfilled, but really it's a thousand years off for us. So you get to combine your uh, vacation time with functioning with the Lord. Amen. How cool would that be? And never to be tired again, never to gain weight again. Woo, glory to God. Come on. Amen. So he says here in chapter 20, look at verse 1. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Now notice this one angel, not a team of angels. One angel, okay? He cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loose for a little season. So you see the millennial reign of Christ starting out with Lucifer putting that pit. Man, I can't wait. How wonderful is this going to be? I'm going to go by that pit. I'm going to ask the Lord for permission. I'm going to have me a violin, which I can't play the violin, but I'm going to go over there and play for him. I'm going to go, how you doing, pit dweller? I'm, I'm going to tell him, I'm at the right hand of God. I, I got the place that you had. You don't have it anymore. In fact, you're in a pit. And then I'm going to sing to him. Woo, praise the Lord. And if you heard my singing voice, you would go, that's going to be torment for the devil. Amen. <laughs> so that might be the most blessing time we can ever have because I can't wait to see him put in that pit. Wow. So the millennial reign of Christ starts out with Lucifer put in the pit. It is something that the Lord wants people to choose him with no tempter. And even without a tempter, people will not, they'll reject Jesus in a perfect society. That's just mind-boggling right there. So here we see the, the thousand years starts out with Jesus reigning from Jerusalem. It's amazing. You'll have Israel as the head of all nations from, from Israel. We'll be, all the nations will be, you know, think people talk about tithing. Do we really have to tithe? No, you get to tithe. The nations of the earth will be tithing to, to Israel for a thousand years. It'll be so cool. And just as there's a natural oversight, we'll have a spiritual oversight. Remember how when Jesus cast the uh, man, Manicadera, came over and the devil said, hey, don't cast us out of this area. We want to stay in this region. There's something about demons. We're regional. So Paul said, if you're faithful over so much, you'll rule over two cities or you'll rule over ten cities. You'll have a regional rule. Paul said, why, do, why would you take something to court when you're going to judge angels? That word judge means rule over. So you'll be ruling over angels. So you, there, God's setting your life up to function with him. And you're going to be, right now, you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. You're going to be functioning in the powers of the world to come. Why I'm getting into this message, and once we get into all of it, it's because you're not done. You've got wonderful things ahead of you. Amen. The rapture's not ending. It's a beginning. The rapture's not ending. It's a beginning. Because I hear people that go, I don't want the rapture to come because i got so much in my heart. It's because you're going to live forever. Amen. And you'll never say, I'm bored. And you know what? You've never seen a roller coaster until you see a roller coaster in the millennial reign of Christ. Come on. And, and people go, you mean there'll be, there'll be, there's going to be theme parks? There's going to be places like Disney, places like Universal? It's going to be just like right now with no curse. There'll be football teams. There'll be, because everybody thinks it's all going to be, oh, we've made it to the millennial reign of Christ. No, there's going to be business. Man's going to rebuild the earth. It's just you're going to have you and I overseeing those natural people. When they do something stupid, we'll be there to bless them and help them. You'll be like a pastor during that time. Have oversight. All right, let's go look at it. Everybody with me? It gets quiet when you talk about roller coasters. Won't that be cool, though? In, in your glorified body, they go, do you want to go faster? Absolutely. And those mortals in their natural bodies, like, we're going too fast. Like, Come on, let's max it out. Let's go. You say, you think we're going to want to have fun? I have more joy watching my daughter have fun. Way more fun watching her have fun with the grandkids than me having fun. 
Where do we get that? From the Lord. So run over to Isaiah. Go back. Go back. Go back to Isaiah. Let's look at this. Let's look at the, what the, the, the earth's going to be like, and let's look at what our jobs will be like. We're going to get into it. Quite a few verses. We won't go too long. Won't, we won't go long tonight. Well, thank you, brother. I will do that. <laughs> look at Isaiah chapter 11. Let's look at what happens once the Prince of Peace is here and Lucifer's bound. Man, I'm looking forward to that day. Isaiah chapter 11. Look at verse 4. This is Isaiah 11, page 785, if you've got a Bible like mine. Verse 4, But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and he'll reprove with equity the meek of the earth. He'll smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he'll slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. I've said this before. It's going to be kind of weird. You go to the park and you'll see a kid with a lion on a leash. I'll be like, oh, hey, hold on a second. I mean, that's still going to freak us out. You're not going to instantly change into I'm ready for the millennium. It's probably going to blow your brains out when you go, oh my God, there's a guy with a lion on a leash and it's a little kid. I mean, look how uh, nature is affected. See, that's why Lucifer uh, enters into a man. He's called the mark of the beast. He's a beast. He feels no remorse. These beasts are changed. When the Prince of Peace is there. Wow, glory to God. Now watch what happens here. It says in verse uh, 8, let's look at verse 7. And the cow and the bear shall feed, the young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The suckling child shall play in the hole of an asp. The weaned child shall put his hand in the cockatrice den, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all of my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So the movies will be about Jesus. Movies will be about John the Baptist. Uh, Paul will have his own talk show in the afternoons. Remember how right, right now Dr. Oz and Ellen have talk shows. I believe Paul interviewed pastors. And he'll go, Pastor Tony, Pastor Jen, what was it like pastoring? And they'll go, we took your books and, and saw how we're supposed to live in victory. And just as, as we're watching that show, all of a sudden you hear angels in the background. Glory to God in the highest. On. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. He reigns. He reigns forever. Hallelujah. So it's going to be a very wonderful time. How cool is this going to be? Let's go look at a little more. Go over to uh, chapter 30. Look at chapter, or chapter 26. I can't remember which one it is. Pick out a chapter. We'll see if you're flowing. We'll start with 26 and go to 30, but I think it's 30. Let's see. Go to chapter 30. Look at verse 26. There we go. I knew there was a 26 in that. Here we go. Let's look at a little bit more about nature. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 26. Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days, and the day the Lord binds up the breach of His people and heals the stroke of their wound. So, so during the millennium, nighttime will be like our day right now. That's how dark it is right now, and we don't even realize it. Daytime will be seven times brighter. So you got photosynthesis, you got oxygen-rich environment, just like it was before the flood. That's why people live a thousand years. It's going to be amazing. What I like is it's never going to get dark. I've told you before here, uh, 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 the times I've preached on this before here, I know what I'm going to do the first part of the millennial reign. I'm going to play golf at St. Andrews, and then I'm going to be translated to Augusta and play golf. Then I'm going to be translated to Pebble Beach and play golf. Then I'm going to be translated to Hawaii and play golf. Then I'm going to be translated right back to St. Andrews. I might play golf three or four days in a row all night because it won't get dark and I won't get tired. You say, you think you're going to want to do that? Absolutely. I purpose in my heart to have a golf marathon as soon as I can. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, you can do whatever you want. We, 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 this, what's so weird is young people think, you know, there's going to be no normalness to it. It's just all going to be worship. So you think we're just going to wake up in the morning like robots. I'm here, Lord. I made it. I worship you. No. You're going to have a life, joyous life. Now, now I'm going to give you conjecture now because I don't normally do this, but I'll give you a little conjecture. I think we'll be still living in heaven, commuting back and forth, because your commute will be just like angels. Angels said, I do always behold the face of my Father for these kids, that they can be at the throne and be there to guard the kids at almost the same time because they can travel so fast. Now, I believe we'll be going back and forth because the commute will be instantaneous. Because it's kind of weird to go to your mansion in heaven and instantly leave it. But we will reign on the earth, so I don't understand all of that. Maybe we're just here and don't go anywhere. Who knows? All it is is going to be cool. Amen. It's going to be wonderful. And, and, and boy, what a fulfillment in your hearts, the, to the fulfillment of, of righteousness in the earth, that Jesus is reigning and the knowledge of the Lord is going all over the earth. Wow, how cool is that going to be? Wonderful, wonderful. Fun, fun, fun. Daddy won't take the T-bird away. Praise God. <laughs> let's go look at church. You say, well, you mean church? There'll be church here? Yeah, let's go look at church. Go to Zechariah. Now, I know it's hard to find Zechariah, but go to Malachi and back up. We all know where Malachi is from tithing. Come on. <laughs> go to Malachi and go back. This is really cool because it's going to show you some things about this time here. Zechariah 14. Remember how I told you Zechariah 13 and 14 are two of the most detailed verse chapters about the second coming. Super, super detailed. Remember, how many of you saw the original Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, in 1981? Remember when they, at the end of the movie, their faces melted away? That's from Zechariah 14. At the second coming, it'll be so intense, their, their eyes will melt out of their sockets. That's pretty intense. So, so look at Zechariah 14. Let's look at church. Look, look what happens here in verse 16. Zechariah 14, verse 16. And it'll come to pass that of everyone that is left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem. So see, people will make it through the tribulation that are born again. And, and, and they'll enter into that millennial kingdom. You'll have oversight over them. But watch this. The Lord is going to ask them to come to church. Actually, He's going to require them. Now watch what happens here. We'll go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up, they'll come not, they'll have no rain. There shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Wow. So, so <laughs> this is kind of radical. The Lord's like, hey, you don't have to come to church, but if you don't come, you won't get any rain. Now, that, it's not because he's trying to be mean. I want you to get this. It's because when you hear Jesus preach, that strength will stay with you for an entire year, that it will sustain you. You don't need another spiritual meal, meal for a year. His words are spirit in their life. You go to church once a year and Jesus preaches, you go, ooh, I'm full. Wouldn't it be weird if you ate a cheeseburger once a year and it was such a, a strong cheeseburger? You go, I don't need to eat for the rest of the year. What's that, what's that cheeseburger made of? You saw it with Elijah. He ate that, he ate that cake and, and ran in the strength of it for 40 days. Outran a chariot because of the cake that was made by that angel. So obviously the Lord's going to have them come to hear him preach and it will sustain them for the entire year. Wow. And isn't it kind of bizarre if they don't come, they don't get any... Rain, don't get any rain, don't get any crops, don't get any crops. Things don't go well for you. So it's an interesting thousand years. I'm interested more. One of the things that freaks me out is there'll be sacrifices for the entire thousand years. Animal sacrifice. And Jesus was our sacrifice, but you know what it'll be? It'll show people how ugly sin was. 
that, that someone had to shed their blood. Go look at Ezekiel. All the latter parts of Ezekiel show you the whole temple and how set up it is for animal sacrifice. And I'm like, wow, that's bizarre. But remember I said this morning, uh, it'll be so cool that before you even pray, he'll answer your prayer. I'll answer them before they even call on me. How cool is prayer then? I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. I'm getting ready to pray, Lord. Oh, here's the answer. Woo, this is cool. Here we go. So it's going to be a, a blast of a thousand years. And isn't it wild? God... He's going to have you, this is the crazy thing. There's several things here. When people are in, that, in their natural bodies and they, they grow, have kids and the kids reach the age of accountability, you'll point to Jesus and go, there he is, you need to get born again. And people will reject him when they can physically see him. That's what freaks me. How do you, how do you not like the Lord? He's too bright. I mean, I don't like his robe. I don't like his beard. I mean, how weird is that? But people will reject him when they can see him. That's why they're going to walk up to you and go, wait, 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 wait. You got saved when you couldn't see him through the foolishness of preaching. You accepted him into your heart. And these verses start taking on a whole different light. In the ages to come, he'll show forth his goodness and his kindness to those that first trusted in him. We trusted in him when we couldn't see him. This is all about faith. God's raised up a bunch of rulers that aren't moved by how they feel, not moved by what they see. You've learned his character, not through your feelings, through his word. Oh, come on. You think about Smith Wigglesworth. We're all a byproduct of Wigglesworth telling Hagen, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what the Word says about me. Come on. That way, you've lived in this dispensation. Think how effective you're going to be as a judge. You'll judge so mercifully because you knew what it was like when Lucifer was here. And the Lord's going to show you off. There'll be people in the millennium and they'll be whining and complaining. The Lord will go, what are you whining and complaining about? The devil's bound now. My church had him on the earth and defeated him while he's on the earth. He's under our feet. So he's going to brag on you. He's going to brag on your walk with God. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. All right, let's go look a little more. Go over to Isaiah. Buzz over there for a little bit. And we'll, we'll almost get to your jobs. We'll get to your job description here in just a second. Almost got it. Almost there. Isaiah chapter, you pick out the chapter. We'll see if you're flowing. <laughs> Go to chapter 60, and we'll all, we're almost to what your job will be. We'll get there in just a minute. Isaiah 60, this gives you just a little more insight into it. I know it's a lot of verses, but it's just healthy. Isaiah 60, verse 21. Isaiah chapter 60. I hear it pages turning, so I'll give you a sec. It's all right. Man, it's good to have your Bible. I know we oftentimes we use iPads now or whatever, but it's good to have things you can write in, you know, and write, write things down. Isaiah 60, verse 21, Thy people also shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. You hear Palestinians trying to make a, a covenant now? They need to read the Bible. They're going to inherit the land forever. <laughs> How long is forever? Long time. <laughs> forever. <laughs> A branch, a, a branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, a small one, a strong nation. And I, the Lord, will hasten at my time. Look at chapter 61. gives you a little more insight in verse 4. And they shall build up the waste places, and they shall raise up the former desolations. And they'll repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. I used to think, you know, Jesus is going to come back and be like bewitched. He's going to twinkle his nose and everything's going to be perfect. He's going to let man rebuild the earth. He knows that man feels uh, pride in his work when he uses the work of his hands. And I say that because, you know, I preached in the Ukraine quite a few times. One of the places I stayed years ago, I'm walking down the hallway of this apartment, which the power goes out every day, the water goes out every day, because they can't afford to keep the power on or the water on. And I'm walking down the hallway, and I thought, why do they let their dogs go out in the hallway and go to the bathroom in the hallways? They say, it's not the dogs, it's the humans. 
Yeah, you know why? I thought, because they don't own anything, so if you don't own anything, you won't take care of anything. So I know what Russia's going to do the first hundred years of the millennium. They're going to get a super soaker filled with Clorox, and they're going to clean their country. Amen? No, we laugh. I'm serious. If you've ever, ever been to Russia, nothing works. It's dilapidated. I still talk about Russia's in a war. They come down against Israel. I don't know how they do that because nothing works there. Man, why? A country that doesn't fear God. There's two countries in the world that built their nation on the, on, on the biblical scripture, scriptures. Number one, Israel. Number two, America. That's why Lucifer, when Lucifer's speaking through people in Iran, they say, we won't rest until Satan, Israel, and the great Satan, America, is destroyed. Aren't we blessed that we were brought up in a nation that fears God? Hallelujah. All right, so let's go get to your job. Let's get to your function here. Let's go to Isaiah 65. And we'll get there. But before we get there, let's talk about oh, kind of how the devil has a little bit of rulership right now. Right now in this present dispensation, we know we have principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. Why does Lucifer have a certain degree of rulership now? Because Adam gave it to him. Remember how when people were trying to pull down demons from the atmosphere? Well, they really couldn't because, because Adam gave that to them. So, so all the devil did was copy the rulership that the Lord would have for the millennium. In other words, rulers of the darkness of this world will be rulers of this world during that thousand years. The devil never comes up with anything new. He's just copying the Lord. So with that, he's going to show you something about what your job is here in chapter 65. Here we go. This is, we'll get into it now. Chapter 65, verse 20. And there shall be no more than an infant of days, nor an old man that have not fulfilled his days. For a child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. They'll build houses and inhabit them. They'll plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. Wow. So he gives you a, a thought pattern here of rebuilding the earth, but he also tells you what's going to happen with people. Let's say a natural bodied sinner, he dies at a hundred and say, well, he's accursed, he goes to hell. Natural bodied sinner... Uh, he, he, he dies and goes to hell. A natural-bodied saint, though, won't be subject to death. Okay? Why will they not be subject to death? Because you will raise them up if they die. Now, they won't die of sickness, but they might, might make mistakes. For instance, let's say during that time, you have a natural-bodied saint. Okay? He's uh, repairing your screen for your church building. He's on a ladder. He gets over here, and he climbs up the ladder, gets to the top of the deal, slips and falls and breaks his neck right there. Well, you've seen it. It's called a word of wisdom. You see it before it happens. And you walk right through the wall and go up to him and go, man, it's a good thing you live during this dispensation. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Because it's in you to raise people up. See, right now you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. <laughs> and you say, well, why would the Lord let that happen? People will have what they say just like you have what you say. A guy will probably say, you know what? I'll probably get on a ladder, slip, and break my neck. And you know what happens? You walk right through the wall and you raise them up. I mean, I like motorcycles. I used to race motocross, but not one time ever. We had jumps that we went to, and we would mark in the trees with T-shirts with blood on them how, how high we got. Thank God my mother never saw that. <laughs> we were crazy. You know, and I would get back to my house, and my shocks are leaking oil because I was jumping too high on motorcycles. They shouldn't be jumping that high. But not one time did we ever go, why don't we just flip over backwards and do a three you know, a flip? That's insane. They do it now. Well, you'll have a guy do a flip on a motorcycle, a natural-bodied saint. Or, I mean, a natural-bodied saint. He flips and does that, breaks his neck. He's right there on, out there on the field. You're translated right there. It's in your area of oversight. 
And you show up there and go, man, it's a good thing you live right now. Rise up and walk. And he shakes the dust off and goes, oh, man, I broke my neck. Yeah, but you're healed now. You'll be implementing the kingdom. Implementing the kingdom. Be powerful. I'll give you, I'll give you a couple examples. I'll give you several of these so we can look at it a little bit. I've given you this one before, but I like it so much. I was preaching out in California in a church, Southern California. Lauren, my wife, was with me on the road that summer quite a bit. She was senior in high school, so I wanted to take her with me. We got to this church in Southern California, and as we walked in the back, I had a vision. I saw a man with his hands around the pastor's throat. They were upside down. And the guy looked just like Robert Redford. So I told Lauren, I said, man, there's a guy in the church who looks just like Robert Redford. He's got his hands around the pastor's throat, but they're upside down like he thinks he's over the pastor like this. And Lauren goes, Dad, that's weird. Right about then, the pastor came walking in, and I know him real well. I, I, we've been friends for years. I said, hey, you got a guy in your church. He looks just like Robert Redford. And he goes, yeah, I sure do. He goes, and I said, and that guy thinks he's over you, and he, he, he's got his hands around your throat. And that pastor friend of mine said, that's right. We're getting ready to start another church over there. And that man told me, I'm not going to let you start that church. And my buddy opened the collar of his shirt and showed me how his skin was raw from being under so much pressure because that guy told him, I'm not going to let you start that church. And that's just bizarre. So Lauren and I kind of walked through the side door as we came into the church service, and I saw the guy sitting right over there. I said, Lauren, look, there's the guy right there. It looks just like Robert Redford. So I got up, you know, and started preaching on him. He who looks like Robert Redford. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I got up and started preaching about the pastor, the plan and the purpose of God for his life. He has a building mentality on him. You can't control that. In fact, you can get blessed by that. You get around him, it'll get on you. You'll want to build and plant all kinds of stuff. Now, see, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. Tasting changed the service. That The glory of God fell. They started that other church. It grew bigger than the other church. So one gift of the Spirit, tasting, accelerated that whole church. Think of what you're going to be operating. You won't just be tasting. You'll be operating in the powers of the world to come. Let me give you another one. Hang with me. I was in uh, Jasper, Texas. You ever been to Jasper? Right north of Beaumont. As I walked in that night, uh, Jeff Spring is another evangelist. We were preaching in, uh, there for like a crusade there. He and I both are there in Jasper. As I walked in, let me see how this is going to work. I don't want to break something. The pastor's wife, I saw her slam the door. Bam! The sheetrock shook in the whole building. This is 1992. I mean, the, the building goes, whoo, whoo, whoo. I thought, wow, she's frustrated about something. Uh, I don't know, you know. So the pastor, I thought I was speaking the next night. So the pastor goes, Joe, you're speaking tonight. I said, okay. I got up and started preaching. You know, I'm preaching along. And, and Jeff Spring, the other evangelist, is right there. And I'm preaching along. You know, and the Lord says, adultery. There's adultery in this church. I said, well, don't tell me that. I'm here to bless this church. I said, I'm here to bless this church. And there's nothing I'm going to do about that. And, uh, uh, and I said, and, you, and I even told the Lord while I'm preaching, you can't make me do anything about it. Yeah. And uh, because there's no way to call out adultery without it putting the brakes on the service. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you know what I'm saying? You used to call out adultery. So, so I'm thinking, how do I do that? And you know what the Lord said to me? He goes, well, if you don't deal with that, you won't be able to do the other things you're supposed to do. I thought, man, he had me right there. So I'm standing there. I said, okay. And I said, okay, there's somebody here. <clears throat> adultery. Kind of coughed, as I said. Because <laughs> there's not a cool way to do this. You know what I'm saying? This is like 1992. I mean, this is 30-something years ago. And I'm like, how do I do this, you know? So I, so I called it out. I said, don't raise your hands. Didn't want half the church going, woo we've been you know, Nowadays, half the church would be raising their hands. Like, no, I don't want you to raise your hand. And here I thought the Lord was going to rebuke this person. I thought, man, here comes the rebuke. You know what the Lord said? The Lord said, I want to bless you. I want to help you. I want to restore you. 
I thought, man, I thought the, the hammer was coming down. The Lord goes, I want to bless you. I want to help you. I want to restore you. And I began to prophesy about that person's life never being the same, how God would bless them so much. Went back to preaching my message, and at the end I had some words of knowledge because the Lord said if I do that, there'd be some other things to do. So I had a word of knowledge that someone had damage in their nerves. This lady got up, came walking down. The whole church <gasps> sucked the air right out of the church. I, I, I don't know who this lady is. I mean, people were, oh, my God. I mean, people were visibly, audibly going crazy because this lady comes walking down. I don't know who she is. I know she's not the Antichrist because that's a guy. He has to be from Europe. So I literally, I thought, why is every, every person is going ballistic? Well, I, I prayed for her nerves. That <laughs> the other evangelist, Jeff Spring, come walking up to me after service because you don't know that lady that had the damage in her nerves. She had committed a, a adultery with another pastor there in their town and had taken the pastor's 17-year-old son and committed fornication with him. That's why she slammed that door when she saw that woman come into their camp meeting. How dare you come into our camp meeting after you've been messing with my son? See, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. God showed that whole church, you've got to bless that woman, you've got to help that woman, you've got to restore that woman. That's tasting. Now, you know, you, 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 know, you, bless, you mess with my daughter, you're going to meet my buddies Smith and Wesson. <laughs> and maybe Browning and Remington and Benelli and all, all my Winchester buddies too. You're going you're to meet my whole family, okay? Because <laughs> you know how it is, you go to mess with, I mean, this woman was 45 years old messing with their 17-year-old son. But God had to, obviously the secrets of her heart are made known. She must have repented. Amen. And see, the, the Lord wants to restore her. So see, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. I'll give you another one. I was in Yuma, Arizona. You ever been to Yuma? Thank God we're not in Yuma tonight. Amen. If you've been to Yuma, thank God we're in Omaha. Glory to God. Amen. I was there traveling with this prophet years ago. I was the shoeshine guy or the crusade guy, whatever you want to call him. He finished up preaching that night. I walked back toward the book table. Right then I had a vision. I saw a push-pull airplane. It's actually it's an airplane that's a dual engine, but one engine's going this way, one engine's going the other way. That's why it's called a push-pull. And I saw that plane in a dive. I saw the pastor of that church in this airplane with his pilot, and that plane's in a dive. They're, the pilot's pulling back on the yoke of that airplane. Papers are flying everywhere. I knew what it was. He's diving like that, going to die. And so I go to the book table. And I thought, man, we're, we're getting ready to go to Denny's to get a Grand Slam, get some... Uh, uh, <laughs> You know, get some pancakes, bacon, and all that. So I'm thinking, okay, I'll tell him when we get to Denny's, you know, because what I saw. Because that was a word of wisdom. That's a revelation, future, plan and purpose of God revealed. So I'm freaking out. Like, how do I do this? You know, how, how do you technically, you know, do this? So we're sitting there eating, and guess what he says? The pastor goes, hey, I'm going flying tomorrow. Man, my ears perked up. <laughs> he said, I'm going what's called a push-pull. And I went, oh, my God, I grabbed my knife. <laughs> So I'm sitting there trying to figure out when to say this. I said, man, Pastor, i got to tell you this. I said, before we came over to Denny's, I was walking back toward the book table. I saw you in a push-pull. I'll tell you what your pilot looks like. I told him what his glasses looked like, and I described him. I said, man, you, that plane's in a dive. You're, he's pulling back on that yoke. I said, don't be afraid. I just, when you go to fly tomorrow, I check out on my, 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 my pilot. So I flew from Yuma back to Tulsa uh, the next day. That pastor called me from Yuma. He said, I went out to the airport. That pilot had lied and said he had all these checkout rides in that plane. He'd never had a checkout ride. That's why people will crash in those. They don't know how to fly them. Well, see, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. Okay? So go back to Revelation 20, and we'll close with this. I want to give you one more taste, and then we'll close. Revelation 20. This is absolutely amazing right here. I'll give you one more taste, and then we'll close. One more, one more. Here we go. 
What do we have for him, Bob? Hallelujah. Revelation 20. This is completely bizarre right here. All right, Revelation 20, look at verse 7. This is at the end of that thousand-year reign. With you functioning with God, overseeing places, raising people up, the kingdom of God is implemented all over the earth. Thousand years. When the thousand, this is verse 7. When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. He shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and encompassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. That's the last rebellion you see right there. So, so here, the Lord lets Lucifer out of that pit to go gather the rebels. With there being a perfect thousand years, people still go, I ain't going to get saved. You're not going to force me to get saved. Now, I still don't get that. But the number of whom is the sand of the sea. And they instantly go to Jerusalem to try to kill the saints in Jerusalem. And fire comes down and devours them. After that, you have the great white throne judgment. God renovates the earth. And then God gets a U-Haul and moves heaven down to earth. How many of you hate moving? Could you imagine moving your planet? God's going to move His planet down to the earth. And we're going to go back and forth in the new Jerusalem. And natural people will eat of the trees of life that are along the river. For the sustaining of the nations, just like Adam could have eaten of the tree of life and lived in sin forever. Natural man will eat of the tree of life. You and I will never have to eat of the tree of life. He that hath the Son hath life. So it'll go back to just like it was before the fall. You'll have natural people functioning on the earth, but we'll be a spiritual race for eternity, overseeing all the natural people for eternity. You'll be like the policemen or the, the guards forever. Let me give you one more. I know it's let that sink in for a minute. It's kind of, it kind of blesses you to see what your position is with God. A part of the church age. A part of the body of Christ. People look at you and go, wow, you're a part of the body of Christ. Wow, what was that like? Being seated in heavenly places. Having all authority given to you. That's what they're going to ask you. What did you do with that authority? It's going to freak them out. They'll see that the king ruling and go, he gave you all authority. Wow. One time I was, Colleen and I were living in California. I'm closing right now. Closing, closing, closing. Uh, we, we were living in California and we were flying back to Tulsa for Winter Bible. And we were, after Winter Bible that night, we were going to go to a birthday party for my nephew, Zach. So we're in this little minivan and Colleen, my wife, and Lauren, my daughter, are with me. We pulled into the Circle Drive. You couldn't get any, go any further because there were cars there. So I told Lauren and Colleen, now you guys go in that door right there. And I'll back out because I couldn't go through any further because the Circle Drive was full of cars. So I looked behind me and began to back out. All of a sudden, I didn't know that Colleen saw some of our kin folks in the window and stood there like waving at them. And I backed the van up like that to go that way. And I ran over my wife. You should have heard her screaming. She was screaming. I knew exactly what happened. Oh, my God, I just ran over Colleen. I pulled the van off of her leg, got out. Lauren and Colleen, Lauren, my daughter Lauren's standing there. Colleen's laying on the ground screaming, bloody murder, screaming. And cats and dogs and kids came running up. I walked right over to Colleen. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command your leg and your ankle to be healed right now. In the name of Jesus, I said, get up. She looked at me like, are you crazy? I said, get up. I grabbed her by the hands like this. I picked her up. The power of God went up and down her body like a heater. She goes, oh, my God, this is real. Well, we're standing there, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm twitching. <laughs> I, I can't, 
I mean, I can't even, I can't, I, I, I was dysfunctional because I just ran over my wife. I mean, we, we walked in the, we walked in the, the, uh, the birthday party. My sister goes, how you doing, Joe? I went, fine. Nah, nah. Man, I, I was doing goat boy, literally. Nah, nah. Completely could not function. I was so freaked out. The next day, I f- flew to Daytona to preach. Colleen flew back to California, jogging the neighborhood. No pain, no pain during the, no pain during the party. See, is that the power of the world to come? No, that's tasting. So think of, of you're not done right now. You got a thousand years to operate in all this stuff. That's why there's two things in the Bible. He said, "Don't be misinformed about." Number one, coming of the Lord. Number two, gifts of the Spirit. Amen. So, so you have a wonderful season coming for your life. Amen. Wonderful season. You talk about joy. Man, the expression of joy, having Lucifer off the planet and then having Lucifer cast into the lake of fire forever. I know as horrible as that sounds, I'm going to dance a dance, and I don't even dance, I'm going to dance a dance. Man, I was in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and I said, the Lord is so cool, he probably taught Michael Jackson out of moonwalk. And then I moonwalked in that church. I can't believe I did that, which I'm not going to do it now because I can't do it. No, just you talk about cool, you talk about fun, you talk about amazing. Everything that you can ever imagine of how wonderful it will be, we'll see him at the throne. The Bible says we'll get to go see the Father face to face. Wow. So what do we do? I, I think Pastor Tony made it really clear this morning. We don't have a lot of years left. If we have two or three, if we, if we have two or three, what's that two or three going to look like? Let's hustle. Let's invite as many people to church as we can. Let's don't fit church into our life. It is our life. And so, well, you know, I'm so busy. We're all, everybody's busy. But why not put Jesus first when you're about to be with him physically? We're about to physically be in his presence.